Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Somebody that knows a thing or two about money, uh, reporting on it, counting on it, you name it, is Michelle Caruso Cabrera. And uh, you may remember her from her time on CNBC. You may remember her from her recent run for Congress. You may remember her from her bid for New York City controller last year. Somehow, New York Democrats managed to choose Brad Lander instead, which I will absolutely never understand. But uh, Michelle Caruso Cabrera, in spite of not being elected to the controller's office is still doing some great things in terms of moving the ball forward when it comes to jobs and bringing back New York, as she did in her recent op-ed in the New York Post. Michelle, thanks so much for getting up early. Uh, th- this remind you of your old CNBC hours? <laughs> it does, actually. Yes, it's great to be on, Frank. It's, it's thanks m- for having me. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming on. I absolutely uh, loved your op-ed in the New York Post, as I, uh, as I mentioned last week as well. But um, of all the things you could choose to to write about. Why did you choose to highlight the issue of the need for people to come back to work? Oh, well, you know, Frank, I've spent a lot of time in the Bronx and I was up there the second I heard about that horrible, horrible fire that your, your you know, game winner just mentioned. Uh, I went up there that day um, and um, to see what I could do to help. And as I was coming back, I was riding back on the subway and I was thinking so much about the Bronx and how the Bronx has not recovered how the unemployment rate is still so high up there compared to the rest of the city and definitely the rest of the country. And that's when it came to me that, you know, I've got to start doing something. Um, and I think I'm one of the few people who could really see that there was a huge connection between people not going to the offices in Midtown and the high unemployment rate in the Bronx. If you look at the four, five, and six train, right, those are those those are like a river delta, the tips of them that go up into the Bronx. And thousands and thousands of Bronxites previously would get on those trains every day to go do shoe shining, work in coffee shops, porters at buildings, you know, staff at buildings. And they're just not going there anymore because the number of people going to offices every day is at about 25 to 28 percent. We have nearly three quarters of a million of office workers not going to the office anymore. And so the suffering in the Bronx is happening uh, to some degree because of that. And if we could just get people to start coming back just a few days a week, I know the world has changed. I'm not a dinosaur. I know work from home um, is going to be a permanent fixture, but not everybody is going to work from home every day. Uh, and, and now's the time to start getting people back. If, this, if they don't come back, the city doesn't come back. Is the reason that um, some CEOs, and I'm very appreciative that the owner of our radio station has wanted everybody back at work as soon as they were able to come back, but is the reason that some, and a big shout out to John Katsimatidis, who I know is a big fan of yours as well, but is the reason, Thank you. Is the reason that some CEOs are not having employees back at work due to uh, COVID protocols and a desire for social distancing, or is it due to the fact that during the lockdown, people just got in the habit of working from home and they don't want to come back. Look, I think it's a little bit of both. I think there's definitely employee pushback. 
if they can avoid the commute, why, you know, why wouldn't they want to do that? Um, okay, totally get that. Totally get that. But at the same time, there are days when you need to come to the office. If there are going to be group meetings, if there's, if you are going to um, have relationships that help a company move forward, it's extremely uh, difficult to do that from the isolation of your own home. And so, yes, I think it's definitely partly employee pushback and partly that was a message to the employees who are like, ah, you know, why do I have to do this? That their, their decisions have implications for thousands upon thousands of New Yorkers if they continue not to come in at all ever. Now, um, you, I had no idea that the office occupancy rate was still as low as 28%. And you write that a lot of the people most affected by this aren't the upper middle class and aren't the wealthy, but the people that are most hurt by the fact that CEOs are not mandating their their office workers to come back to the office are the poorest among us. How so? Well, so like I said, if you look at the four, five, and six lines, it's just one example, and you go right up into the Bronx, a lot of the folks who live in the Bronx are the folks who got on those trains every morning and would come in and do all the office support work, right? The, every single office job has a multiplier effect because an office employee comes in. Um, if there are many more office people, you need more people working the front desk. You need more people who are you know, serving them coffee. You need more people who are shining their shoes. You need more people who are more employees who are serving them in restaurants and business lunches, uh, you know, serving them drinks after work when they, when they go to happy hour. There's a whole multiplier effect that happens. And that, that number I get, the partnership from New York does a survey every three months. And we thought there would be improvements by now in the number of people coming back, but it hasn't happened yet for all the reasons that you talked about. But if if people start thinking about what the implications are, if CEOs start thinking about it, if if they were going to wait, you know, three months, why, why wait? Why not now? Now, there are going to be some people, and by the way, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Michelle Caruso Cabrera, a former CNBC anchor and reporter, former uh, candidate for New York City controller, the top Latino vote getter in last year's Democratic primary. There are going to be some people listening to you now, Michelle, that say, well, wait a minute, doesn't Michelle understand that there's still a pandemic going on? Maybe it's unwise to have people uh, arm in arm and side by side, cubicle to cubicle in office spaces. Why not uh, have them work from home where it's a little less likely, perhaps, that they'll get the Omicron variant of this disease? What do you say to that, that uh, by advocating for a full-fledged or almost full-fledged return to work, that that you're not taking the proper COVID protocols into effect? No, I'm not advocating for people not to be safe, for sure. The you can absolutely have a safe office space now. We've learned that, right? There can be social distancing, especially if I'm not saying everybody's got to come back every single day of the week, um, just a few days a week. If you don't have everybody coming in the same day, there's plenty of space to have social distancing. There's plenty of protocols that we now know we can put in place um, that mean that people can be safe at the office. So, you know, we're, we're, the rest of the country is getting there. We can get there, too. 
You, in your piece in the New York Post, which, again, I've linked to on my Facebook page. People can read it if they haven't seen it, although it got a lot of attention last week. Um, you asked New York City's business leaders to take the journey that you described a couple of minutes ago. Take the four or the D up to the Bronx. Look New Yorkers in the eyes. Bring your head of human resources. You write that you'd be glad to arrange such a tour. Um, What have you heard from New York City's business leaders since this op-ed was published a few days ago? Um, From some top bank CEOs, I've heard, go get them. Yes, we want to do that. We're trying. We're getting pushback from employees. Um, So, you know, it's been it's been very, very positive from business folks. um, But the struggle they face is that right now unemployment is very low, except in the Bronx. And so a lot of employees can go to other jobs if they're unhappy with the conditions with their work. I get that. Um, so that's the balance that we have to strike. Uh, but at the same time, if there are not everybody can work from home forever. It's extremely difficult to train young people. If you have new people coming in, it's extremely different, difficult to teach them the culture of your business if you don't actually have them in the office at some point and mixing with other employees and getting direction that way. There's nothing like a face-to-face meeting um, that really makes people understand each other, that makes people work together better. Uh, so, like I said, I know, you know, I'm not advocating for the return of the buggy whip. <laughs> sure, absolutely. What I'm returning for, uh, advocating for is, just a few days a week. <laughs> what does it do to New York's tax base to have uh, sub- workers permanently working from home, not coming into New York, spending money in New York restaurants for lunch and uh, patronizing, as you point out, New York shoeshine people and all sorts of other ancillary businesses that historically have benefited from commuters into Manhattan? What is that going to do to New York City's budgets in future years? Uh, it's got a very, very detrimental <clears throat> effect because every single time that a coffee isn't poured, there's, you know, taxes not paid on that coffee. Same for drinks, same for dinner, same for, for everything, right? When we have a decline in business, we have a decline in business taxes. And then as a result, we have less money for the city, and that's less money for our, you know, our frontline workers, for our defenders, for our teachers, for for infrastructure, for everything that we need to make the city go. So yeah, it's got a, it's got a terrible knock-on effect when people don't have that when we don't have all that residual spending that comes from what happens when people go to the office each day. I, I referenced our uh, our owner, John Katsimatidis, uh, earlier, and uh, one of the things that he's been saying, and in fact, he said it Sunday morning when we were on the radio together, is that people are not going to feel comfortable coming back into New York, either as workers or as tourists, until they feel safe. And right now, yeah. the current situation is uh, there's a tremendous feeling that, that, that crime is running rampant throughout New York City. I noticed 
noticed that you tweeted the commercial that uh, Congressman Tom Swazi put out where he basically says if any DA, uh, including Alvin Bragg, is not going to enforce the law when he's elected governor, he's going to remove that DA. Uh, do I take it to mean that you are supporting Tom Swazi for governor or are you just supportive of that aspect of his message? You, know, that, you shouldn't see that retweet as an endorsement. Maybe I should put that in my bio. You know, RTs no, don't equal endorsements. But I, I, I do endorse the idea uh, of what he's saying. Look, mayor, our new mayor is doing everything he can, and he's got a much better attitude and view and plan for defeating crime compared to our previous mayor. Um, but he cannot do it alone. Um, yes, we have to get to the root causes of crime. Yes, we have to get illegal guns off the street, but criminals also need to know that there's going to be accountability. And right now they can say maybe there's no accountability. So why would they not continue to do what they are doing? Everybody has got to be rowing in this boat to improve the safety level in the city. I get it. The people are afraid uh, because of the rising levels of crime, because of, you know, a woman getting pushed in front of the, uh, a subway train. I mean, how God awful is that? So scary. Um, but w- w- we've got to have all of our law enforcement officials working to stop crime. Can't be the mayor just doing it all himself. Um, so th- so that's why, why I retweeted that. I would also say, by the way, that there's safety in numbers. If we had many, many, many more people in the subway, people would feel safer uh, because that you, you've just got more people around you. Um, and, and I think that would help lower the, the sense of fear that we have in the subway, that some people have in the subway. Final question, Michelle. You ran for New York City controller last year. The person that ended up getting elected was uh, Brad Lander, a, uh, an advocate, at least for the last year and a half or so, of defunding the police, including writing an open letter to his constituents calling for a billion-dollar cut to the New York City Police Department. Now that he's controller, he actually has an NYPD security detail. In your view, is that hypocritical at all to, on the one hand publicly call for defunding the police but at the same time enjoy new york city police protection when i was a journalist we would call that a softball frank yes (laughs) of course totally hypocritical but i am not surprised um of course people everyone wants to feel safe even the people who claim that they want to um i don't even i've never even used that phrase i don't even like that phrase uh, the second I heard, I thought it was a disaster, a disaster for New York, uh, and it's been a disaster for the Democratic Party. Um, I have never, ever advocated for that, uh, and I'm not surprised that he would be hypocritical. Well, uh, Michelle Caruso Cabrera, I hope we could chat again soon. Next time you feel like an early morning, maybe we can even get you in studio. Oh, that would be fun. That would be indeed. Uh, thanks for writing this, and thanks for your advocacy on behalf of New York's workers and the business community especially. And thanks for having me on, Frank. It's a pleasure.